Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why do some people see ghosts? And are they actually real? I'm Stephen Downey, and you're listening to Investigates, the podcast that lifts the veil on some of the biggest crimes and mysteries of the world. Most of us love a good ghost story. Popular culture is rife with spooky tales of apparitions, poltergeists, and unexplained noises in the night. While some ghosts are said to be benign, others can be malicious or even downright evil, if you believe that kind of stuff. And there are plenty who do. Today we're talking to Karina Machado, host of the Ghost Files podcast and author of the book's Spirit Sisters, and Love Never Dies. On her podcast, Karina hears stories from everyday Australians about their encounters. Every one of them is absolutely convinced they saw or heard something paranormal. But just because they can't explain what it is, does it necessarily mean it's a ghost? Let's unravel the mystery. Just a note, this episode mentions suicide. If you or someone you know needs support, help is available from Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hi, Karina. Welcome to Investigates. Hi, Stephen. It's so exciting to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. It's a great crossover episode, isn't it? I love it. I love a good crossover episode. We're talking about ghosts today. And I guess I was going to start by asking, and it's a big question, I suppose the biggest question when we think about ghosts is, are ghosts actually real? No pressure to start with. Thanks, Stephen. (laughs) Look, I believe they are real, but then we have to go back to the question of what is reality? And I think one of the interesting things about ghosts, their appearances, the messages that they give is that they hint at a greater reality, a reality that is not the reality that we're familiar with on our 3D plane. So yes, they're real. And certainly the hundreds of people that I've interviewed over the years will assure me constantly that what they have experienced is one of the most fundamentally true things they have ever seen, heard, felt. Um, So I I can't discount that. And I think the power of these experiences also lies in how they stay with the the interviewee, you know, something that is perhaps a little figment of our imagination or our thought. You wouldn't think that it would perhaps stay with you for decades and give you hope and bore you in hard times as these, um, as some of these experiences do. Others, of course, are scary. Yeah, I guess that's, we have all sorts of uh, ghostly encounters. Have you ever yourself seen any, any ghosts? I am one of those people that doesn't really have the powers that my interviewees have. But my first line of my first book, Spirit Sisters, talks about the ghosts that I saw when I was around seven or eight years old. And disclaimer in the book I write look to this day I don't know if I was dreaming I don't know if if if, you know this happened if this was quote-unquote real but I thought I saw in my bedroom doorway a man standing and I in our family folklore we call him the colonel ever since because to me he had these gleaming medals on his breast and I thought this is some kind of soldier and um and yeah and that's that's the experience that I had later on As a young mum, I experienced some things in a little Californian bungalow that we lived in, in Rockdale. Now, at that time, my husband was seeing these full-blown apparitions in our house, and that's actually one of the events that led me to write Spirit Sisters, my first book. 
But while he was seeing these people looking, well, these ghosts looking as real as flesh and blood people, he saw a woman, a child and a little, a woman, a little girl and a little boy. I was only feeling the energy that had changed in the house. So it was charged. I like to say like the air before a thunderstorm, like there was that kind of charge in the air. There were toys crashing over in the middle of the night through no aid, no human agency my kids would cry out in the middle of the night. It was a strange, fraught time, but I didn't see them. So my experiences, I've certainly felt things over the years. I've sensed things, maybe had the odd dream, but I'm not one of those people who sees apparitions generally. And I, I think your mother, if I'm right, your mother had a psychic gift? Yeah, mum, she um, she's still very psychic, although... Her gifts also are not so much in seeing apparitions looking like flesh and blood people as so many of my interviewees have. Hers are more in premonitions, in dreams, but they're very, very powerful. And I write about one encounter that she had in my third book, Love Never Dies. She didn't know that her most beloved and favourite cousin had sadly taken his own life in Uruguay, where I was born. And so we were here in Australia and she had this powerful dream that he came to her, but she couldn't see his face. His face was a darkened mass and he was hugging her and farewelling her. And in the morning she found out that he had taken his own life with a shotgun to the face. It was a very dramatic story and very awful, but she was so comforted by the fact that he'd come to say bye-bye and she knew that in some realm that we don't really, that we're not privy to, that he was okay. Wow. It's interesting, with, I think, with ghosts or paranormal activity, it's obviously there's a lot of people that are very sceptical. There's a lot of people that have felt something weird or something they don't know what it is. What do you say to people who are sceptical? Well, I don't try and change anybody's point of view. I mean, I think the stories stand on their own. Even my interviewees who share the stories, they're not really sharing them to try and change anybody's opinion or try and bring someone across to the to the believer's uh, realm. So there are so many interesting stories. I would just say to the sceptics, listen to the stories with an open heart and see what you feel and what you think. And it's not about some dogma that says you have to believe a certain way or think a certain way. I just think these stories work as heart openers and mind openers. And I would say that to a sceptic, just have a good listen and sit, listen without prejudice and just um, see see where that takes you. Yeah. And, and a ghost, I mean, there's such a big topic, you know, we talk about ghosts, but it could be paranormal sound or it could be a whole bunch of stuff. And I think in popular culture, you know, we see, you know, the ghosts in kids' cartoons we see them in you know horror movies or thriller movies there's a it's a big fascination isn't there definitely definitely and it's been around as long as humans have been around you know we've been wondering what's beyond death and that's why I think there's this big fascination and yeah you mentioned um, kids books certainly I I was one of those kids that was fascinated by the paranormal and there are so many children that at around that age of seven or eight as I was begin to think what is out there and what is death and what is life and that fascination can sometimes emerge as it did for me or not emerge um, sort of manifest in the root of 
ghostly happenings, ghost books. There was the Goosebumps series of books that were so popular. Kids, you know, they go through this little morbid phase. But it's also hopeful to me when I was around that age and I began to be fascinated, you know, a a lot of the reason why I was was through my mum, my mum sharing her stories of the premonitions that she'd had in Uruguay. One of the things that most drew me to this inquiry was the hope in the stories. When life seemed a bit boring or a bit down, I was all, I could think, well, but hang on, there's more and I just can't see it. How do you get to the more? How do, you, how do people find the more, if that makes any sense? Well, it's all about personal inquiry. You know, you have to, for me, it was this very circuitous route. I went, you know, I began to be interested in these stories. Back then, when I was a little kid, Woolworths used to have books in their aisles. And I would always, when my mum was doing the grocery shopping, I would pluck a book from the shelf and, you know, and be, it would cost $1 and it would say true life ghost stories from around the world. And I would read those and lose myself in those. But I think it's about to find that more that is hopeful. I think you have to go beyond the fear factor, beyond the scare factor and think what is behind the appearance of a ghost? What does it point to? Does it point to some something greater? And can that help me on my life path? Can that help me live a more fulfilled life? And talk about, I guess, you know, the types of ghosts that, um, that people encounter as well, because obviously they're varied, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, I guess you can sort of generally split them into two categories for simplicity's sake. One is the imprint. That's a rough term to describe an apparition that is not a sentient spirit. So it's like a replay. And I've interviewed people. One story that comes to mind is a woman who would see the apparition of a man walking his Pomeranian dog through her lounge room every night for years. And so that's not a sentient spirit that's coming in visitation. That is her, for some reason, through some awareness that's expanded of her own, she's able to access this scene from the past. A lot of ghost appearances can be put down to that imprint. Then the other broad category is the sentient spirit who is in visitation. So that might be you're missing your grandmother and for some reason you, again, and this is the big mystery, why some of us can see and others can't. But in this, the case of this example, you're missing your grandmother and she appears perhaps in a poignant dream or even in your day-to-day waking life to show you that she's okay and she might just smile and you see her and then you feel better. But that's a sentient spirit who you're communicating with. They're not just a replay from the past. So they're the sort of two broad categories. There's one other which is a very interesting one and it's known as an apparition of the living or a crisis apparition. And there have been reports, many of them in the literature, about a person who's on their deathbed through trauma or accident or some kind of misadventure and for reasons, and they're not doing this consciously, but their living spirit appears to a loved one and they might not say anything, usually they don't, but then they don't go on to die and that person is still alive. Sometimes they do go on to die and the vision is seen prior to their death. So that's another interesting one as well. Yeah, and I want to talk to, I guess, about the fact, well, not fact, but the idea too that some people believe that the mind is very powerful, um, of obviously. And you know, it, it could be the mind that, um, that is, has you know, the power to create ghosts, as it were, or create something that we think is, is a ghost. Sure. I mean, we don't know. Was it Socrates who said, all that I know is that I know nothing? I mean, how can we know? The only thing that I would say is that many experiences 
including out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences, which is something I'm really fascinated with at the moment, point to the idea that our consciousness resides outside of our physical bodies, outside of our brain. And there are many interesting stories that hint at that notion, or or more than hint, that seem to confirm some stories in particular. There's one near-death experience by a neurosurgeon, which is fascinating in itself because he is an expert on the brain, saying that he should not be alive. He should never have experienced what he did. This is Eben Alexander, an American neurosurgeon. He should never have experienced what he did when he was in coma for a week with a really rare strain of bacterial meningitis. He should never have lived and his brain was completely dysfunctional, out of order. He should not have had images, memories, let alone this incredibly vivid experience that he had. So it's difficult, you know, when we talk about the mind. Yes, the mind is really powerful, but where where does the mind reside? That's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about, I guess, the idea that ghosts can be you know, fairly benign in some cases and yet in other cases seem to be malicious. Yeah. Again, a very interesting question. How much of that is due to our own traumas, you know, our own pain, because I do believe that while these experiences obviously are so real and powerful, there is a resonance between the experiencer and what they see. There's some sort of connection. So, yes, so sometimes people can have this beautiful experience where they're comforted and they know that their loved one is fine. Another time, like an interviewee that was on my show, The Ghost Files, Sophie, she had a shockingly terrible experience that she lived through very courageously with some sort of spirit that she knows to have never been human. So this was not a human manifestation. This was not a spirit that had ever been in a human body, but just rather seemed to be some sort of pure essence of evil. So those questions are very complicated. But I wonder, yeah, I do wonder why why we see the things that we see and what that can instruct us. Yeah, and I also wanted to talk about this this idea. Some people believe that that it's not you know a house that's haunted or a, or a building that's haunted. That it's the the person who's haunted. What do you think about that? We can call that the million dollar question as well. I wrestle with this question because I believe, after all of these years of interviewing people, that you do need somebody with the extremely expanded awareness who's able to pick up on the energies in a home. Generally, you do need that. So for a house to be haunted, you need the person to have psychic abilities, mediumship abilities. But then again, going back to my interviewee, Sophie, who I just described, she believes that in that case of that haunted house in the Mornington Peninsula, that anybody could have come in to that home and would have experienced what she experienced. But I'm just not so sure because of all the people that I've interviewed over the years, I do believe that you have to have sort of an expanded and and psychic abilities have been defined to me by paranormal investigator as merely expanded awareness. So you do need to have this ability to be able to pick up on the spirits. A, A good example is the famous Amityville house in America, you know, the Amityville haunting. I don't think I'm mistaken when I say that since that haunting, there's been no problems in that house. So again, it's that resonance and what is happening and why. It's an interesting idea, isn't it, that, you know, some people are more uh, open Hmm. to seeing or feeling the paranormal. (music) 
Yeah, it is fascinating. You know, obviously your podcast, uh, The Ghost Files, is doing incredibly well. You know, one of the things I like about it is that, you know, you're getting really ordinary people telling extraordinary yeah. stories. Why do they want to tell their stories? Is there a reason? In some cases, there are different reasons. But generally speaking, I think the show and like my other show, Spirit Sisters as well, I get the same feedback. I think that it, it's kind of a safe haven. It's a safe haven for them. And since I began researching this material for my books way back in 2008, was when the the formal research began. I could not tell you the amount of times that I have that somebody has prefaced a story by saying you're going to think I'm crazy or I've never said this to anybody. And I would I would have thought that by now maybe I don't hear that so often, but no, I hear it just as often. And so I think that there is this idea that oh, hang on, I'm not crazy. There are all these people that are experiencing this as well, and they're very relieved. And so then they want to tell me about that relief. And, and so they'll email me and sometimes we'll go on to have them on the show. And I love that, that I'm able to, to offer people a sense of community, you know, when they might have felt so alone. Are there stories that, w- that they would tell you that would make the hairs stand on the back of your neck? <laughs> yes, many. There are so many. So one of my favourites was one of the er- – well, first of all, my first interview with Matt was, was brilliant. I mean, that story did certainly – lift the hairs up on the back of my neck, that's for sure. So he was living in a share house in Sydney and he saw he's not someone who was actually would see many spirits or, or any at all, but this particular morning, it was an early morning, he saw a, a spirit man manifest very clearly at the end of his bed. And what I love about this story is that the spirit, and it was clearly a sentient spirit because it was communicating with Matt just through just through his his very appearance. The spirit was staring, was fascinated by a a statue that Matt had brought back from Mexico of the Virgin of Guadalupe, and it was entranced by it. And that's not the only example of a spirit being intrigued by something modern that we've got as well. One of my first interviewees in my first book told me that the spirit that she saw manifest by her bed, not unlike Matt, she saw him looking like a flesh and blood person. He was fascinated by the watch and the jewellery and the stuff that was on her bedside table. So it's very interesting. So another one on the ghost files was my interviewee, Danielle, who had this very moving experience of seeing a little girl ghost. Now, Danielle is one of these fascinating people that I'm so intrigued by that have had experiences their entire lives. And they're quiet, you know, they're not John Edwards up on the stage. Not that there's anything wrong with John Edwards, that's fine, but they're just quiet and they're anonymous and I, I find that intriguing, you know. And Danielle, one of the many experiences that she had, she saw this beautiful little girl and a story unfolded and a, and a rapport bloomed. And this little girl was called Annabelle and she'd had a problem. She'd, it seemed like she'd met a, a terrible, tragic an, end at somebody's hands. And Danielle, and she was lost. She was sort of caught between worlds. And Danielle helped her go to where she was meant to be. So I love that story. And Danielle's such a compassionate soul. And sometimes there's this idea that our compassion on earth just extends to the spirit world. So sometimes these people who are very compassionate people here on earth will not stop helping the living, you know. They help beyond as well. And Danielle's one of those. I love Faye, the Scottish lady who's one of my interviewees, who just has a lifetime of 
wonderful stories and she she, she describes herself as the Billy, Billy Connolly of the spirit world, <laughs> you know, and she's a crack up and she's just such good value. And, you know, one of her stories, she's got many, but one, she walked into a restaurant, sat down and saw a man walk in with a dog. And she thought, oh, didn't really clock him, but saw, got troubled because she's an observant person. She got troubled by the fact that he seemed to be standing at near where the servery was and nobody was serving him. The waitresses were all going past. And so eventually she, when her, the waitress came to get her order, she said, oh, what's that man? I think you need to serve that man. And they, she said, what man? There's nobody there. And she said, oh. And then the lady seemed to just freeze and she said what did he look like and she said well he looked like this and he's got this little white dog with him and she said oh that was our previous owner who died just weeks ago so I love that story so and Faye's got many she's just got a whole catalogue of them so yeah so many many memorable stories on the ghost files Stephen tell us about Tegan Vandenberg yeah so Tegan's one of my recent ghost files interviewees she's not got a ghost story per se although she has had those in her experiences as well but her story has to do with past lives so that's another thing that I'm intrigued by and uh, Tegan she was going through a tough time in her life a couple of years ago and she, something was telling her to follow this line of inquiry that she'd had in her heart for a while but hadn't pursued about, have I lived before? What are past lives? So she found a um, hypnotist, a hypnotherapist that was recommended and she immediately brought up, she remembered four lives that she, in intricate, meticulous detail, there was a Scotswoman living in a castle in the 1400s There was a man walking across the desert. There was a woman who'd met a really sad end in colonial, post-colonial America where she she was a servant and she'd been left alone in a house throughout the winter to guard the house and had starved to death there. So there was all this amazing detail. And one of the fascinating things about that story is that Tegan knew that there were six lives with a theme. And in that session she only remembered the four but then she went on to remember the other two one in a dream one in a reiki session and with the remembrance of those six lives she understood that the theme was loneliness and with that acknowledgement she was able to to begin to heal this wound of loneliness that she'd had all her life wow so they're in some sort of therapy of some kind indeed it appears that way yes in tegan's case at least yeah yeah and is there some sense of when they have told their stories to you there's there's a sense of relief that they've sort of like unburdened themselves a lot of the time do you find that that they feel relieved after telling you yes yes they feel very happy and I'll get emails that say thank you so much for letting me share that story and then it often it often ignites something for them so they'll go off on a different path for instance Faye who I mentioned the Scots lady she has very quickly after speaking with me, wrote her memoir. And it's wonderful. And she wrote it in only three months. And uh, so it's in a way it's a celebration of a gift, for want of a better term. It's not always a gift. But it's a celebration of an ability that maybe they've struggled with and been reluctant to accept for a massive part of their lives. And finally they do. Mm. You know, So it's really lovely to be able to to give them that platform to share their stories and if it does offer a little bit of healing and and um, me- memory too, it's honour. It's honour. Sometimes it's like honouring someone who's gone and that, that was the case with another interviewee recently, Ben, who, who told me about his beautiful late mum and his grandma and Ben's got a very gentle 
story. He's a very gentle soul and his story is not, you know, this jaw-dropping Hollywood horror scene or anything. But it's, uh, it's a way of remembering his, his mum and his nan and um, it's lovely to be able to give him the opportunity to do that. What about the scariest story you've ever heard or one that made you a little fearful? Yeah, look, um, there are. There's one in, in my first book, Spirit Sisters, which is it's a poltergeist story and it involves a Ouija board and there have been scary Ouija board, board stories that I've had on the ghost files as well. So in this case, the young woman, so the lady, when I interviewed her, she was around 40, but this had happened when she was around 13. And she, this is the case of somebody who appears to have had that expanded awareness, natural, you know, an innate ability that I was talking about, but her life was difficult. There was dysfunction within the family home. There was upset. There was some abuse in various ways. And she began to become obsessed with the Ouija board. And in that case, it seems to have worked as some sort of strange portal to allow in more negativity. And that has manifested as poltergeist activity. So poltergeist is a German term that uh, means noisy ghost. And the classic poltergeist haunting is stuff moving around, um, objects appearing and disappearing where they shouldn't, lots of loud banging and doors flying open with no human agency. And this happened with um, on one memorable night for my interviewee and she, it traumatised her, you know, and she, one of the scariest things about what she experienced that night was the manifestation from absolutely nowhere of a noose which appeared, and these things are called a, a ports when they come from nowhere, nowhere that we can identify, and it was just hanging there on her pergola. And this all came after this night of, of terrible activity, and I interviewed her sister and her mum as well. They all confirmed that they saw this noose that was not there before. Police even came to see it. And, um, yeah, so that's one of the scariest ones. And all those years later, I'll never forget interviewing this lady, and she seems haunted still by what she'd experienced as a little girl. Just on the on the noose side of things, did they figure out where it had come from? No, no, it would just happen. So as part of this poltergeist activity, think strange things like this can happen. There were more things that happened on that night, on this particular night where everything came to a head for this girl. And there was also some strange um, writing that that manifested on her mirror that was like a like a very elegant black cursive but it was in in reverse as if almost somebody had written it from the inside of the mirror and that just appeared on her mirror of her dressing table so in that category the noose was in this yeah the noose was in the same category of something appearing from nowhere and a port in other words and and it was never explained no never explained never explained so that, that is one of the most frightening stories that I've heard. There is a, a lady on the ghost files, Bella, who told me a terrifying story as well that again came from her dabbling with a Ouija board. Now, the Ouija board issue comes up all the time and I think that in and of itself, a piece of cardboard and a wine glass or, or a planchette, whatever it is, hasn't got evil powers. But again, it's it's our intention, our whatever we uh, have within us that perhaps we're not aware of, our psychic ability, that's really important. Like if we're very gifted in that way and don't know it, as t- many kids are, then that could potentially invite something, you know, unfriendly. 
Yeah, Ouija board. Uh, maybe explain to the listeners to a little bit about Ouija boards. And I mean, it's not something you could go down to your local supermarket and buy, is it? Where, where do people get Ouija no, boards from? you used to. Uh, it, it started as a toy in the 18, late 1800s, I believe. So it was a toy manufactured by a reputable toy manufacturer. And it was a, a game so, you know, you, you had your letters, you have your letters A to Z, your numbers 0 to 9, and the planchette, as it's called, which is this device in the middle, which you, you're just meant to very gently, ever so gently, just pop your fingertips on it, whoever's playing, and the thing will move. And you ask questions of the spirit world and you receive answers. So, so that's where the Ouija board came from. You can also do a homemade one, which, you know, just about everyone has. It's a little bit of a rite of passage in a way. Kids will do this, you know, and most do it without any problem. They just have a laugh, a giggle, and then that's it. Problem is, you know, when kids become obsessed or when there's stuff going on that's, you know, fearful, um, but there are also amazing stories about, in, you know, wonderful stuff coming through a Ouija board. There's one particular story about a, um, in the literature about a beautiful work, many works of literature that went on to be reviewed by the New York Times that supposedly came through a spirit called Pearl Curran in, from, the, you know, the spirit dictated her incredible books through, through the Ouija board and through the medium that was, you know, running it at the time. So that's that's very interesting to me how you can get these extremes. But g- yes, generally the Ouija board is associated with darker things. Yeah, that's right. It seems to be in movies or so forth. They seem yeah. to be the, the precursor to something yeah. pretty terrible happening. And certainly it has been in, in the lives of people I've interviewed as well. What about animals or pets even? They, do the people talk about those or seeing you know, them, animals or pets come, you know, forward. Definitely, definitely. Pets come through all the time in stories. Uh, the the most common way that I've heard it is, for instance, somebody's cat, you know, that they loved, passed away, and they will regularly feel it hop up onto their bed and curl up at their feet as it always used to do. I always hear that. In near-death experiences that I mentioned before, people will often see their all of the pets that they've loved and lost there as well. So it's very interesting but, yeah, I guess where there's love, there's the possibility of, you know, this apparition happening. Love is the bridge. Wow, that's an interesting idea. Mm. I, I want to talk to you too. We've talked about the, you know, the, the house, you know, I think it's in June, Monte Cristo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we had it, our first episode was about Monte Cristo. Yes. It's said as the most haunted house in Australia. Um, have you been there? Have you, do you know about Monte yeah, Cristo? Yeah, I know about it. I haven't been there. I've been meaning to go since I first began researching this material. And I actually had a conversation with Reg Ryan over the phone before he passed away. So the Ryan family bought this home, Monte Cristo, this homestead, and it was in ruins when they bought it, I think, Steve, in the 1970s mm. or 60s, yes. around there. And they brought it back to its former glory, Mr and Mrs Ryan, but it was owned, the homestead was built in the uh, 1880s, around there, and it was built by a couple called Mr and Mrs Crawley. Now, it's got the reputation as the most haunted house in Australia. It's infamous for that, and they run, the Ryan family continues to run tours there to this day. It's very popular. And what's fascinating about it is that most people that go there, and you can stay the night, have experiences. 
It's very active. It's a very active place. Interestingly, that it's so interesting that you ask me about Monte Cristo because the Ghost Files episode, my interviewee, she's had two really profound experiences there. And the first one that she had was actually her first memory of a paranormal experience when she was about 10. And she saw Mrs. Crawley looking incredibly stern in her Victorian clothing on one of the balconies, looking at her. And then as an adult, she went back to the property and had these really frightful experiences of some very awful things that went on there. Now, it's no secret that some terrible stuff went on in that home. It's on their website. People know about that. But the things that Angelina told me that she felt and saw that had happened there, I haven't seen reported. And, yeah, it just seems like that home may have a, a darker past than we even know about. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I would say, Karina, it's been really great talking to you today. Thank you very much for being on Investigates. And everyone, listen to The Ghost Files. Thank you so much, Stephen, for inviting me. It's been a delight. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And tune in next week for another amazing story. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 